With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The Houston Safari Club Foundation Worldwide Hunting Expo and Convention at the George R. Brown Convention Center. February 4th through the 6th, 2022. Hunting and fishing outfitters from around the world. Gear, firearms, optics, taxidermy, and more. Banquets, auctions, raffles, and entertainment. $10 at the door. Children 12 and under and active military with ID get in free. Proceeds support youth education, scholarships, conservation, and hunters' rights. Sponsored by Gunworks, Forlow, Capital Farm Credit, Wildlife Partners, and Boyd's Hardwood Gunstocks. Go to wehuntwegive.com org to learn more tradition conservation family the outdoors it matters to you it matters to us this is hunting matters presented by houston safari club foundation here's joe bitar Good morning. Welcome back to Hunting Matters on KPRC 950. I'm your host, Joe Vitor. I am Ramon Robles looking at the phone to see if you were on there or not. Wow. Yeah. It's good to see you. you good to see, see your it. face, man. I don't care what anybody says. <laughs> That's rude. <laughs> uh, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're back. I'm glad to be here. Uh, All kidding aside, you were uh, sick. You were legitimately I was unwell. legitimately sick. I uh, passed the test. It's the first time I've passed a test in a long time. And, uh, um, you know, I got good marks on it. And... Uh, my body was, uh, I didn't feel like I was in my own body there for a while. Is that was, true? Yeah, it was not bad. But I mean, yeah. it was a couple of days I was kind of knocked out a little bit. But uh, all, all is well now. And, uh, um, you know, being a guy who grew up in Louis, South Louisiana and North Louisiana, I uh, I was praying that I didn't lose my sense of taste and smell. Yeah. Because so, uh, you, know, you and I are a lot alike and we love good food. So yeah. I didn't have that problem. Okay. So good. it was cool. Um, it looked like it aged you a little bit, though. I think it did. Yeah, yeah. That's a side effect I didn't realize. It happened. made it made my forehead bigger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what have you been up to? Uh, actually, this weekend I'm uh, doing a barbecue marathon. I'm doing everything on my Traeger, brand new, breaking oh, cool. it out, breaking it in. What time does the eating marathon it, start? It, it, it starts at three o'clock. Okay, I'll be the, there. The great thing about a Traeger is, and this is no endorsement, is I put it on at four this morning. Yep. I'm here at work. Yep. It'll be ready by 3 this afternoon. Love my pellet grill. Yeah. It's almost like cheating, isn't it? Yes, it is. It's kind of, yeah. But we've paid our dues, right? We ha- yeah. We've had the stick Oh, I've been up all night be- yeah. you know, before cooking briskets, and I didn't mind it, but this is so much easier. Yeah. Uh, you know, as, you, as, you, as you age, you work you know, work smarter, not harder. I also have kids I'd rather spend time with yeah, than poking, that's true. poking wood. That's true. That's true. I'm going to give a big shout-out to my kid, too. Oh, yeah? On an aircraft carrier. Oh, my Sunday goodness. Sunday morning. Heading out six to eight months. God bless him. Tomorrow? So, serving the country. Yep. Tomorrow morning. Wow. Man, that's great. I mean He he's sad to leave. You know, he won't he's got a young family, don't want to leave him behind. But I, I could there was a tinge of excitement in his voice because he's never been to Japan before. Yeah. And uh he you know, he he's got that warrior spirit in him. He's kind of fired up. So um they're gonna go over there and I don't know if they're gonna flex much muscle, but they're gonna kind of strut around a little bit well, over, over there in, in japan and, and when the uh, navy pulls into port you're strutting muscle no yeah. matter what your intentions yeah are. yeah i think his route i think he, his, he's going to be able to do uh thailand india sri lanka oh, and man. then on to okinawa and um so yeah he's excited that's good good for him yeah he's excited so zach i'm thinking about you bud um february 4th through the 6th ramon guess what's oh. happening 
Are we here? We are I mean, here. is it here? We it are is. here. Wow. Uh, move into the hotel on Wednesday of that week, and we don't sleep for five days yeah. because convention's coming, folks. Go to wehuntwegive.org. Check out the Houston Safari Club Foundation convention information. There is a room block of discount hotels at the Hilton Americas. You need to get signed up quick because it's only a few more days before that closes. Get your expo hall tickets and your banquet tickets. That's where we're going to be having a lot of fun. The banquet. The banquet. Yeah, going to be uh, doing live auctions, silent auctions. The noted uh, professional hunter and conservationist Ivan Carter is going to be there as our keynote speaker on Saturday night. We've got three banquets, man. They are going to be a blast. Do so, I get to go to a, one of those banquets? Yeah, whatever one you want to go to. I appreciate that. You just let me know when you want to be there. You giving me 10 minutes on the microphone? Nope. Oh. No. I thought I'd ask. Man, you would not believe how packed those nights are. Yeah, I mean, I they are scripted to the minute. I am... Uh, I don't know if I'm more excited than you are, but we've been doing this show two years now, and this is our fir- my first yep. uh, expo, first convention, convention, yeah, yeah, expo convention, yeah. It's it's um, it's been too long. Uh, I went to the Dallas show a couple weeks back, and uh, it was so good to see everybody together, and everybody was positive, yeah. and they, you know, very few people had masks on and stuff, but um, they they raised a lot of money for that organization, which is why we do ours. We raise money to yep. give it away, um, scholarships, education for youth programs, grants all over the world, and um, that's why we do this is, is to raise money. Now there better be two years worth of savings if these people are ready to spend on oh, this, yeah. at this expo because. They've got nothing else better to do now. Yeah, people are spending money Good. at these things right now, so um, it's 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 definitely exciting. All right, so February 4th through the 6th at the George R. Brown Convention Center, the Houston Safari Club Foundation Annual Convention. Go to wehuntwegive.org. While you're there, sign up to become a member of Houston Safari Club. We do something fun every single month. Um, our guest today is Jim Willis. Jim is the founder and president of the Wildlife Habitat Federation. Jim, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you, man. Um I, I, there's, we need two hours today because I got a lot of questions oh. that we probably won't get to. So we'll, we'll probably have you back just, just right off the bat there. But where'd you grow up, Jim? Grew up in Northeast Louisiana. Really? Uh, yes. Around, uh, uh, at a young age around Winsboro and then later on in Monroe. You know where I grew up? Uh, no, I don't. Monroe, Louisiana. How about that? Huh. Yep. Word, really? Yeah. Yep. Went to school where? I went to St. Frederick High School and went to Northeast Louisiana University, which is now University of Louisiana Monroe. Sure is. Blew up at, I grew up at the Treasure Island out on Black Bayou. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Goodness mm-hmm. gracious. Yeah. Well, I grew up in Monroe. Went to Neville High School. Fun Row, as we like to call it. Fun Row. Yeah. Exactly. And then... Uh, Home of the Neville Tigers. Neville Tigers. Yeah. Yep. What a wonderful, wonderful place to grow up and a great place to play football i played football there and went on to louisiana tech where i played football as well man we got so much in common ramon yeah neville tigers are, were and still continue to be a powerhouse we all, yeah, yeah i was i went to small catholic high school so luckily we didn't have to play them but they, they <laughs> actually i think they made state playoffs this year yes and louisiana tech home yes. of the bulldogs yes you know a guy by the name of joe ia played for him he was my coach when i started he was my godfather Oh, my goodness. Joe. I'm named after him. Oh, my. He's one of the reasons I went to Tech. I signed with Tech, but Joe I.A. had a program on, a, a TV program, yep. back when I was in high school. Yep. I couldn't wait to get home from church to watch Joe I.A. That's crazy. Yeah. Joe and then I play, then my, we played for him. He's your godfather. godfather. I'm named after him. Yeah, oh, my goodness. Yeah. And his son is a, is a, is a referee, referee of football games, his son. His, yeah. And Joe I.A.'s Wow, son. I got chills, Ramon. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, this is good. Wow. That's crazy. Wow. Then, then, then went to Tech. And okay. Played with some great guys there. Yeah. Did you play after after college or just uh No, no, I was too small. I was okay. too small to, to go any further. Yeah. Did, uh, were you there at the same time Phil and uh, Bradshaw yeah. were there? Uh, Phil Robinson was our starting quarterback when okay. I when I was there. And then uh, he left to go build uh, duck calls and and, and found – one day at practice, he, the geese were flying over, and he says, 
why am I out here? I, yeah. He said, I can go, I'm going to get killed out here. I can go do something I enjoy. And so yeah. he walked off the practice field that day and went, started building duck calls and, and the rest is history. And then a guy stepped up named Terry Bradshaw right. and uh, was our quarterback. Thanks to Terry. Thanks to, uh, to Phil Robinson quitting the team. Terry Bradshaw <laughs> got to be a, got to be an all-star. Well, Terry was going to be the all-star regardless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> he had a talent, you know. He yeah. broke the national javelin throw record in oh, high yeah. school. Yeah, really? he had I didn't know that. That's mm-hmm. crazy. Yeah, I I remember. You know, we'd see the Robinsons. This was back before the Duck Dynasty days and all. And, you know, Phil was kind of a tough tough fellow there for a while, and uh, we'd see him in Walmart. Nobody'd make eye contact contact with him. They all looked the other way, kind of scared of that that family, you know. Um, but uh, I remember a story he told one time that he said uh, he said. They asked him, "Where Phil football practice?" I said, "I don't know." So the coaches all drove over to this little place he was living in. He was out in the front yard skinning a deer. It was supposed to be a football practice. So. As a, yeah, as a matter of fact, I, I've heard that story. <laughs> That's yeah. funny. <laughs> all right, folks, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with our guest Jim Willis from the pre, from the Wildlife Habitat Federation. See you on the other side. We're down on the river. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Folks, you know what's good when you're sitting around a campfire after a day in the field? A really nice cigar. Our friends at Lucho Cigars, based right here in Houston, Texas, offer hand-rolled cigars using Cuban seed tobacco cultivated in the Esteli region of Nicaragua. Once they're rolled, then they age them for eight months. The aging process amplifies the aroma and distinct taste of a Lucho cigar. And if you join the Lucho Cigar Club right now, you can receive three premium Lucho cigars for only $29.95. There are three different membership levels to choose from. Go to lucho.com cigars, sign up now, and receive an exclusive offer just for listening to Hunting Matters or for being a member of the Houston Safari Club Foundation. That's L-U-C-H-O, Lucho Cigars, the world's finest. Have you heard about the Houston Safari Club Foundation? They're a nonprofit organization that provides annual scholarships to college students, hunting and fishing trips, and outdoor education programs for hundreds of students each year. And they fund conservation projects at home and abroad to protect habitat and wildlife. A community of hunters and people passionate about the outdoors. Monthly events, an annual convention, member benefits, and so much more. Whether you hunt quail in South Texas or big game around the world, this is the place for you. Become a member today. Go to wehuntwegive.org to learn more. We hunt wegive.org Where do you get down the fiddle and you get down the bow kick off your shoes and you throw them on the floor dance in the kitchen till the morning light Louisiana Saturday night waiting in the front yard sitting on a log a single shot rival and a one-eyed dog yonder come a kinfolk in the moonlight Louisiana Saturday night. Welcome back to Honey Matters on KPRC 950. I'm your host, Joe Bitar. I am Ramon Robles. <laughs> Ramon, can you believe that uh, Mr. Willis and I have so much in common? I cannot. Uh, That's you, good. It's crazy. That's just crazy. So, Jim, uh, you founded the uh, the Wildlife Habitat Federation. What did you do before before you got involved with this? Well, how far do you want to go back? I, uh, I'm particularly interested in yeah, You've done a lot of stuff on the national and international level. Well, yeah, I, after finishing... Uh, Tech. I went to Mississippi State, and then went to work there in Washington. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, after working in the Department of Agriculture for a while, I, they sent me to uh, to Buenos Aires, Argentina, where I first served as ag attaché in the embassy there. Okay. And from there, I went to work in uh, embassies in Mexico City and Caracas, Venezuela. Wow. And uh, so uh, that's that's that. That was the international flair I had to begin with, but then after that, the Rice Council hired me. Okay. After um, after selling my farm equipment dealerships, I had 
in Louisiana. Uh, I went to work for the U.S. Rice Council here in Houston. That's why I'm in Texas. Awesome. Awesome. And uh, what is the Wildlife Habitat Federation? Kind of, kind of, I know it's many, many things. I've seen the information, I've seen the website, but kind of encapsulate it for for our listeners, if you would, what what Wildlife Habitat Federation is about. Well, Joe, uh, after I retired and bought a ranch and moved out west of Houston, it was my goal to have more bobwhite quail, anybody in the world, per acre. Um, so I thought it would be a pretty simple thing to do. Um, I started uh, joining organizations that uh, promoted the, the, um, uh, more Bob White Quail, more up and game and whatever. And I'd go to these meetings and I noticed they, they did a lot of research, did a lot of talk, raised yeah. money to, for people to do the things they needed, needed to do to have more Bob White Quail or, or Dick Sissel or Metal Larks or whatever they wanted. But they never talked about anybody doing it. Yeah. And so I said, hey, it's time to put an organization after six decades of research, for example, on how to have more Bob White quail. It's time to do some have an organization that actually puts it on the ground. Yeah. So we started. I say we. I had two other friends. One was the former uh, president of Exxon Chemical uh, U.S., uh, John Webb and Bob Moore. And I, we got together and started, uh, had a meeting and started the uh, Wildlife Habitat Federation that was founded in 2004. Okay. And uh, purpose was to uh, find ways to put it on the ground okay. or help people uh, uh, restore the habitat, which is what it takes to have more Bob White quail. So what do you guys do to address habitat loss? What are some of the principles that you guys put into play to help? And I, I'm guessing you do it on uh, for, with private landowners and public land, urban and rural. Yes, we uh, we we uh, do both. Okay, we uh, we put in several uh, pocket prairies, if you will, in right. Houston, like at MD Anderson. We planted a couple of plots there, mm. uh, but we at city parks uh, okay. in, in Houston. We put in uh, pocket prairies. Okay, that means it's a acre and a half or whatever of of, of native grass and right. wildflowers, whatever. But our main job was, our main um, motive was to have more habitat in the urban, in the sub, in, in, in the rural areas. Got it. And so we started working with landowners, uh, but landowners couldn't afford the machinery, couldn't afford, didn't have the know-how. Okay. So the Wildlife Habitat Federation is an organization whose mission is to help people put it on the ground by providing the equipment and the know-how to bring back the natural resources, which is soil, water, air, and wildlife. Ramon has a pocket prairie at his house every time he forgets to mow his yard. Yes. (laughs) That's what I say. It's a sanctuary, guys. I can't mow. Yes, sanctuary. Yeah. (laughs) But, honey, (laughs) there's golden-cheeked warblers out there. We can't can't mow this week. It's too hot. Might damage the birds. So, um do you guys do you guys go in? Let's say let's say I bought a piece of land and I want I had maybe a few quail or no quail and I wanted to you know proliferate proliferate that species on there. Do you guys come in and nuts to bolts kind of do an evaluation and make recommendations from a scientific data standpoint? How would something like that work? That's you're you're very right. Uh, the first step is to do a site appraisal. Okay. So we have three biologists that are out moving around, uh, uh, seeing people, mm-hmm. writing management plans. Okay. So they write these, they make these site appraisals, and with the landowner, and they give them a, a plan, and then we carry out the plan, okay. or we or somebody we choose or they choose. So uh, we spend a lot of time writing writing uh, management plans for people, and then 
have the equipment, have the people uh, that we know can do it, put that those plans into play. Okay. And that involves usually uh, eradicating the, the invasive species that, that we've allowed to come in or planted ourselves. Right. And then replanting that area in first in the cover crops, followed by the planting of native grasses. Native grasses is the key. We, okay. uh, the, uh, I think like something like 40% of the United States at one time when the settlers first came here uh, to the United States, 40% of the United States was covered in native grasses. Wow. We have less than one-tenth of 1% one left. Today. Wow. That's, that's a drastic change. I didn't realize that it, uh, the decline was that much. Yes. Um, so when you talk about habitat loss, what are probably the top causes of habitat loss other than urban sprawl and those sorts of things? They're obvious things. Are there other things that you see as a, as a, a commonality as for habitat loss? Yeah, you know, the first thing we want to blame is, other, other, is the creeping concrete. Yeah. the people moving out. But in reality, yeah, I hate to say it because I was involved in that all my life, growing up on a farm and having farm equipment dealerships. It's mechanized agriculture had more to do with it, I would think, than anything else. You know, you take that ground and you plant it in uh, in larger and larger and larger plots and, and you, uh, in a monoculture, whether, whether it be soybeans or, or cotton or corn or whatever. Uh, you don't leave and you plant from from fence road to well, half fence road, from road to road now, sure. road to road, and you don't leave much uh, submarginal land available for uh, the critters. Yeah, and so uh, and 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 quail, uh, they're they're not a woodland animal. They live in the prairies. Right. So the prairies are great places to plant good crops like rice and and soybeans and whatever. So I would say in the case of upland game. Uh, and the prairies out here west of Houston, it's the uh, planting of uh, crops, uh, croplands that, uh, that took out more native wildlife than anything else. Okay. You seem to have a real affinity for quail. And I know you probably didn't get that growing up in North Louisiana because no. I didn't even know what a quail was till I moved <laughs> to Texas. Um, we had a few, but nothing like like there are in the southern part of the state of yeah. Louisiana. You just, yeah. got, you just got hooked on them early or what? Well, uh, my mother moved to Opelousas, okay. and uh, uh, my stepfather uh, had bird dogs. Ah. I grew up, uh, as you say, up in northeast Louisiana, and the big game up there was squirrels and rabbits and deer and whatever. Moved down there, and all of a sudden, what is that dog doing? He's, right. he's pointing quail. Yeah. And, uh, yes, I, uh, I fell in love with the, with the sport. There's nothing, nothing more exciting uh, that I can think of than a cuppy rise in front of a, a bird or, or a be- yeah the beauty of that dog on a point it's absolutely just, uh, it's pretty pretty mesmerizing it's it's not the shooting of the bird it's the watching of that uh, a dog find the birds and point the birds and know that dog after you point it and you and you happen to shoot one which is not that important anymore to yeah. me but if if you happen to shoot one. That dog go go get that, dog, that bird, not go off in the corner and eat it, but bring it back to you. Right, right, yeah. It's 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 a pretty pretty great the whole the whole experience. I've I've had that with quail. I've had it with pheasant. You know, a lot Absolutely. of other game birds. And it's uh, it's it's it's. Lucky Land Casino asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. It, it almost, you know, it makes the hair stand up on your back and your neck when they get on a point, especially if you've been walking a long time and they haven't <laughs> picked up on anything. Yes. Um, have you ever got, have you guys ever been involved with a, a landowner or a piece of land where you just kind of, you know, you get back together after you do the survey and you kind of go, oh man, I don't, I don't know if we can turn this one around. Are you guys pretty successful? Well, in, in every ranch is different. Sure. Yes. And, and the first thing you have to decide, make find out from that landowner just how committed he is. Right. And so you've got two extremes. You've got the guy who wants to have cattle. Right. And you've got the guy who wants to have quail. Mm-hmm. And you got and the hardest one to knock to crack is the guy who wants both. Uh, yeah. And so you know we, we it's, but yes it, it's uh, you've got to find out where, how committed he is. How much does he want to have both? Got it. Got it. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick break here. Joining us today is our guest Jim Willis, the founder and president of the Wildlife Habitat Federation. Join us at Hunting Matters on the other side on KPRC 950. Traveling man left her mama crying with her head in her hand, such a sad case, so broken hearted. She said, Mama, gotta go, gotta get out of here, gotta get out of town, tired of hanging around. I gotta roll on between the dishes. Just an ordinary story about the way things go round and around. Nobody knows but the highway goes on forever. Welcome back to Honey Matters on KPRC 950. I'm your host, Joe Bitar. I am Ramon Robles. Not from Louisiana. Not from Louisiana. Sorry, guys. You're the odd man out. Yeah, that's why I'm just sitting here, just listening to the stories. So, Ramon, do you like quail? I do. Do you? They're I like delicious. quail eggs. The quail eggs. eggs. Yeah. yeah, they're awesome. I've never been quail hunting, though. Hello. Uh-oh. See, see Ramon does that. Um, when we first started the show, we had Carter Smith on. Oh, did Parks and Wildlife. And yeah. I don't know how it happened, but Ramon got him to deputize yeah. Ramon as a... Uh, as a uh, as a game warden, I am a game warden, and so uh, huh. an official, unofficial game warden. So I just use my authority to go onto people's boats. <laughs> that, that's you know, it's an abuse of power. But it's oh, okay. by the way, I got to talk to you after the show. Okay, our buddy from Four W's. Yeah, remember mm-hmm. Willard Franklin, who runs a nonprofit and teaches boating safety and yep. takes kids and stuff out hunting and fishing. I, I've watched his. He's been to Hawaii. He's been everywhere. He wants us to come out and he wants to take us fishing, but we have to agree to be part of a boating safety video. Oh, 
So they have those self-expansive life vests. He wants us to try oh. it out and, and be on film because he's going to shoot a series of web commercials. Oh, that's funny. That's the only thing. So okay. he, said, he said, I need to round up five people, and yeah, he'll right. take us fishing if we'll go and shoot some footage for him. All so right. That'll be fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Welcome back to Honey Matters on KPRC 950. Joining us today is the one and only Jim Willis. Jim is the founder and president of the Wildlife Habitat Federation. Jim, thank you once again for joining us. Thanks, Joe, for having me. Jim and I are we're lost brothers. Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> There's not many people you talk to you run into that come from northeast Louisiana. Jim, what's the best meal you've ever had in your life? Oh my goodness. You know, I thought I I thought that the only thing I would eat because I grew up in the northern part of Louisiana, which uh we eat uh, up there mainly peas and and uh, beans and cornbread and such as that. My mother moved to South Louisiana and his name my stepfather's name was Cloutier. French, and he started cooking these things called etouffee and mm. bisque and jambalaya, and all of a sudden I said, "My gosh, yep. <laughs> I didn't know you could make food taste that good, that good." Oh yeah. Oh, it's just wonderful. It's very contagious. Oh yeah, I always enjoyed it when my grandmother made griots on a Sunday. Oh. You know, gr- grits and griots. But you know, they, they take it the the way it originally started is what I was told is they take whatever was left in the fridge, the remnants, and make like a stew. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Good eating. Home, huh? Homemade cornbread and mm. griots and grits. Mm-mm-mm. Yes, sir. Taking me back. Let's go. Let's go after the show this morning. Okay. Let's go get some griot and grits. I've never had. Oh, I well, I can cook some for you too. <laughs> that little, little mock shoe. All right, we'll be good to go. So, Jim, um, do you guys work with uh, with landowners' habitat restoration and those sorts of things for other species outside of quail? Well, absolutely. It, it has to, you know, automatically touch everything that's there, right? That right, but in in, in this, if you aim at quail, right, it's sort of like shooting. If you shoot for heaven, you'll get earth thrown in. You know, we we shoot for if you shoot for quail, yeah, you're going to take care of most everything else. Yeah, there's going to be more rabbits. There's going to be more deer. There's going to be more whatever armadillos, everything. Right, right. Uh, uh, and so if you, but you do that by improving the habitat. The habitat is a key word. Yeah, and so uh, you you grow and to do that. Uh, going one step further, when I when I retired, I was going to show everybody how to do it. I I was a complete failure. Okay. And I learned to fail fast and fix fast. Right. And uh, so I I started talking to people who really knew what they were talking about, and they said you've got to have native grasses. And uh, what is that? You know, yeah. I grew up with we we grew up in an area where we converted everything to babuda grass and bahia grass here in, in northeast louisiana like where we're from yep. and uh but that's the worst thing you can do to, to the land right because uh but putting native grasses in native grasses are a is the habitat needed for practically everything okay and it helps the land it helps all the resources it has these long long roots that go down 10 12 15 deep in the ground so when it rains you retain that rainwater it goes down the roots into the aquifer and the aquifer comes out in into the rivers and streams in a clear form today with bermuda grass and these other introduced grasses exotic grasses the water flows off the top of the land and takes with it all the toxins or whatever you don't want to flow into the rivers yeah so uh when houston has a has a big storm Mm -hmm. Uh, nothing to retain that water it flows through and, and creates havoc and, and and so you know one of the best things you can do to mitigate flooding as well as have clearer streams and, and better habitat better natural resources for water air and wildlife is to put in native species put it back what god put here put yeah. back in what we was originally we saw when we 
before it first came to the United States, the settlers found, like I said, 40% of the United States covered with these native grasses. In the coastal area where we are here in Houston, there was a large prairie of about 9 million acres. Right. And so very little of that's left. Yeah. But we're putting it back, hopefully. Yeah. That uh, you, you hear a lot about the Katy Prairie, Katy yes. Prairie Conservancy and those sorts of things and the, and the great work that's been done there as well. And um, I, I know it'll vary based on the size of the land and the, the amount of commitment, of course, that, that the landowner has. But um, you, you, it sounds to me like you're talking about a process when you're restoring these grasses, these native grasses, uh, as a long – it takes a long time to do it. And what You know, if you, if you get in partnership with a landowner or you're working on your own property – and you start this project, how long before you start seeing the, the fruits of those labors? Well, yes. And, and first of all, what takes longer users, longer lasting. But we, uh, the process of some of these grasses take uh, maybe five years before they ever emerge after you plant them. Yeah. Uh, so uh, you've got to go through a process first of eliminating the exotics that we've planted. And uh, we use the, and I think you asked a question I didn't answer earlier. We use several tools, the tools that were first thought of by the father of conservation, Aldo Leopold, mm-hmm. came up with these ideas of using the, uh, the tools of being, or five tools, he, he spoke of. Okay. The hoof being the cattle hoof, he's proper grazing. The match being prescribed burns. He used to, this whole area used to burn just from lightning striking or whatever, right. but we eliminated all that. The plow, which means plowing land, and plowing when you plow land, it comes up with and many times in, in Forbes or a fancy word for, for weeds yep. that make seed. The, the hoof, the mass, the plant, the hoof, the mass, the plow, the axe being uh, moving removal of noxious woody cover. We have lots of things that have, have come into that area, like yeah. Chinese tallow and yopons and cedar. Yeah. So, so, and the last, the, the last of those five principles is the proper uh, use or following in the the, uh, the principles put in by Texas Parks and Wildlife and the, and the game wardens, following the game laws. Yeah. So you use those five. And we uh, we don't do anything with the fifth one. That's up to the, the, the government. But the first four, yeah, we use all those first four to restore the land. Now we've added to that, okay, two others. Uh, we've added a use and very, very, but not not just in a big way, but a small use of of, of herbicides mm-hmm. if we have to. Sometimes it's better to use a herbicide on a piece of property than to plow it and plow it because when you plow it. You kill the microbes in the soil and the earthworms. Right. Uh, a shovel full of uh, rich dirt, they say, has got more microbes in it than there are people on the face of the earth. Wow. So you, so you don't want to plow that up. So we, the proper use of herbicide, and the last principle is proper use of seed, the proper seed selection. Yeah. So we have programs ongoing where we uh, are trying to select better seeds, and we harvest our own native grass seeds as well. Yeah, I was going to add that. That's a good segue because I was actually going to. Uh, you guys have a pretty robust, pretty focused seed program. Yes, Joe. We uh, we have a harvester uh-huh. built for us up in the up in the Dakotas. That okay. uh, a firm up there made us a special harvester where we can go out and go gather seed. If we can't find that species that we need, we go out and we harvest our own. Okay. There are also several seed companies in in Texas that that where we can buy the specific type of native grass. And then we have people that harvest for us. Okay. And, you know, you hear about uh, 
like I said before, Ramon and I are, you know, we're foodies. You hear about these harvest grains and harvest vegetables, uh, harvest vegetables. They're going, not harvest, uh, heritage, excuse me. Yes. Uh, a lot of people are going back and they're planting vegetables and fruits and things and they're, they're sourcing them from these heritage seeds. Uh, same, same principle. Same principle. Yeah, same principle. Yeah. If it, you know, if it was, if it's growing here in a place that, uh, a remnant, we'll say, uh, okay. a relic track. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, forward, prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You know, it never has been plowed. Mm-hmm. That usually has those species that was originally here. They're the ones that you want. They're the ones that created the habitat you need to have what we used to have. Yeah. When we this, this place was teeming and, and quail and deer and all kinds of wildlife before we uh, we came in here and, 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 and plowed the land up or covered it with concrete or whatever. But it's those species that we want yeah, and if we have to, we go harvest them. We find a remnant and go harvest them ourselves. That's got to be few and far between to find a piece of land that's never been tilled. Well, there are out. some out there. Yeah, but that's, yeah, there are few, very few. That's crazy. That's crazy. Um, well, I think the work that you guys are doing is is absolutely amazing, and uh, um, look forward to uh, to hearing more about it here. We're going to take a quick break on hunting matters on KPRC nine fifty. Join us on the other side with our guest Jim Willis. Welcome back to Hunting Matters on KPRC 950. I'm your host, Joe Bitar. I'm Ramon Roper. Where did you find that? Well, that's an old uh, Clarence Gatemouth bass song, and wow. I figured since y'all were there. I haven't heard that in a long time. They probably time. made y'all sing that in school. That was a, Yeah, it was our school anthem, yep. yeah, pretty much. We had to sing it every day at assembly. <laughs> One of the if a few, if not only, uh, songs to mention, Monroe, Louisiana. Yeah. Welcome back to Hunting Matters on KPRC 950. I'm your host, Joe Vitar. I am Ramon Robles. And joining us today is Jim Willis, the founder and president of the Wildlife Habitat Federation. Folks, you need to go check out their website at wildlifehabitatfederation.org and see all the great programs and uh, things that they're doing out there. Uh, Jim, my question, of course, revolves around food. Uh, what are you best at cooking? Oh, best at cooking? Yes, sir. Lord. Um you know, I think I used to think I was best at cooking some cornbread or whatever. But after my mother re- moved to Opelousas in South Louisiana, I learned how to cook a gumbo. Mm-hmm. And my gosh, you know that's uh, and, and what does it take to make a gumbo? That's exactly whatever you got. Question. What do you have? You can cook gumbo with just about anything. That's what it mainly takes is patience. Patience. It's all that cutting up of the garlic and the onions and preparation and my wife always says don't rush the roux don't rush the roux <laughs> yeah, what i've heard is the roux is the key 
component. That's yep. right. Well, well I, I guess that's sort of like what we do. Don't rush the rep, the restoration of, of a property look for a while. Hey, did you see how you tied that together? That's like yeah. a professional right there. What? Yeah, you got, it takes time, you know, yep. especially when a plant takes five or seven years to, to, to emerge from the soil. you got to yeah. be patient. Yeah, yeah. You know, a lot of people here, they think gumbo, they think shrimp, and uh, they think yeah. shrimp and crab meat and stuff like that. Now, we, we grew up eating uh, chicken and sausage gumbo a lot, and during duck season, we always had duck and sausage gumbo, which a lot of people aren't don't like wild ducks, but I tell you what, if you cook a gumbo right and put some <laughs> wild ducks in there, you can't beat it. I don't care what anybody says. So when you say gumbo, is there a traditional recipe, or is it always just something... Uh, Jim, I don't know about you. I mean, I grew up the way I learned to make it. It's it's oil and flour for your roux. Yes. You you have to cook it down 45 minutes to an hour typically, you know, wow. stirring, constantly stirring to get that caramel color to it. And then you put in what they call the Cajun Trinity, celery, onions, and bell pepper. Correct. And then you it grows off of that with your spices and seasonings and hot sauces and whatever meat you choose. And I don't know, how do you make yours pretty much? Exactly, yep. using that Trinity. But, you know, I got to tell you, it is um, – and, and, and he, he made a belief out of it. My stepfather told me that the best gumbo we could possibly have is uh, is uh, wild quail yep. and dove. Well, you know, that, that meant me get, getting to go hunting with yep. him. So I believed him and still believe him. That was, as they say, a win-win. <laughs> that's right. You got to hunt and eat. That's right. Uh, that's, that's one thing we love about the great outdoors. Um, so like you said before, you guys work with uh, you work with Texas Parks and Wildlife. You do a lot of rural projects. Um, the urban projects, how do those come about? Do the, do the city, uh, fa- fa- you know, fathers call you, the government call you and say, hey, we need some help with this place in Houston or Dallas or whatever? How does it work? Well, uh, you mentioned um, uh, Katy Perry. Yeah. We had done some work for Katy Perry because okay. we, you know, they, they have the land, yeah. but they didn't have the equipment and the know-how. So we started restoring some of the property there. And, and one of their guys who now is uh, with the, uh, another organization, the conservation organization, Hyman Gonzalez, said, oh, Jim Jim can do it. So he he talked to M.D. Anderson people wanted to have a native prairie down in Houston at, at Holcomb and Fannin. Okay. So we went down, and, and, and you go down there today. That's a, a little little block of, of, of native prairie we restored. Based on that success, you know, we did more campuses, at MD Anderson, and the city found out about it, and so the, you know, just one thing led to another, led to another, and, and it really works. Uh, I got to tell you a story about one of the campuses. Uh, uh, Jaime told me about that uh, people started coming from far and wide to see, and I said, "See what?" He said, "See the birds." There were loggerhead shrikes coming in to that area, mm. and I said, "I've never seen but one loggerhead shrike at a time." Who do you mean lots of them? He said flocks. Wow. He said we had planted wildflowers. And the wildflowers produced insects, and the insects attracted these flocks of loggerhead shrikes, people coming in. So one thing helps another, helps another. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, especially in those areas, you know, I think people, they, when you're establishing, like you said before, those pocket prairies, people all of a sudden they say, wow, songbirds, bumblebees. You know, I hadn't seen those in a long time. And, you know, all those, it's, it's such a... It is, it is, but it's not. The, the, those ecosystems are so fragile and so heavily reliant upon every from from the, like you said, from the soil to the sea to the, to the grasses, and then everything that lives on those things. Um, they're right. so fragile. I think we we lose that a little bit if you're living in the city. You know, you 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 forget about that. But then when they reappear through the works that you guys are doing with Wildlife, Wildlife Habitat Federation, they pop up and somebody's out for a jog or run. They're like, wow, I haven't seen mockingbirds or whatever you know in this area in forever. 
we call it bringing back the bees. Yeah. The, the honeybees, but also the birds, yep. uh, the butterflies, the box turtles, yep. the bunch grass, the blue stems, yep. the blue bonnets, yep. all the bees. Yeah, it's 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 amazing how how delicate and fragile those ecosystems can be, and it's uh, it's great that you guys are doing that not only in in rural areas as well, but uh, but also within these cities to kind of bring back our natural our natural roots and things. So, what's next for wildlife uh, uh, for the federation? This expansion. Okay. We're working um, yearly on about fifteen to twenty thousand acres. We've already uh, worked on in total by now since two thousand four. We've been on about eighty thousand acres. Okay. So it's just expanding what we're doing. We've got now we have three biologists we didn't have two years ago, uh, and those biologists are going out and talking to more and more people who are writing more and more plans, and, and then we're implementing those plans. Okay. And so we're just expanding. We're you know we're now in uh, I think like thirty counties. Wow. So and one of our projects is up on the Red River, as far away as the Red River. So we're just you know where it gets around. Uh, we get around. Okay. So I'm curious. Uh, you've been in Texas a long time. You've yeah, you've had your hands in the soil for a long time. What do you think about the swing, the shift, the, the I'll call it the migration that we've had of people from out of state coming in and buying properties? Um, <clears throat> a lot of people from California and other states are moving to Texas. It's attractive for business owners. It's attractive, you know, versus California tax structure for a lot of different reasons. A lot of these guys are coming in with a lot of money in their pockets, and then they're snatching up these lands. I mean, they're snatching up ranches, ranchettes, big properties. Uh, how are we going to educate these people on keeping keeping this uh, this 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 land the way it needs to be? And, and I don't care where they came from, and uh, or they're already there. But sometimes the born to the land people aren't doing the right things either. But uh, you want to catch them before the the people who don't know what they're doing try to tell them what to do right you want to catch them before they uh start thinking they need to uh, take down all the fence rows uh get them a tractor get them yeah. a shredder yeah um get them a six pack and call himself a rancher all of a sudden <laughs> you want to get them before they do all of that and say okay this is what you what do you want yeah and you find that well we want more wildlife but do you know this is the way yeah these are the principles that we use starting back years ago out of leopold propose and here the, here's the way you do it sure and so it's an education process it don't care if you're born to land a landowner or new to the land it's an education process of learning that uh, you gotta if you create a home farm they'll, they'll come got it got it well we're excited because uh, we talked about it at the top of the show we got convention coming up and folks <laughs> if you if you want to learn more about the wildlife habitat federation um, you need to come on down to the uh, Houston Safari Club Foundation Convention because you guys are going to have a booth there, right? Absolutely. And uh, what what are you be telling teaching people there? Well, just just what I'm t- talking about now. Yeah. You know, you got land. Okay. You want what? You want more more wildlife. You want better soil. Yeah. Better better uh, retaining the water instead sure. of running off. You know, this is what you have to do. And this and and we'll come out and write you a management plan. So just contact us at that website you, yeah. told, you said earlier. Okay. And and we'll come out and see you, draw you up a plan, and, and put it into play. Perfect. Folks, joining us today has been Jim Willis, the founder and president of the Wildlife Habitat Federation. Go mm-hmm. to wildlifehabitatfederation.org. That's wildlifehabitatfederation.org to learn more about the great works that they're doing. Jim, we'd like to finish the show with a little speed round, lightning round of questions. You ready? Yes. All right. You, bar- you love barbecue? Oh, I love it. Ribs or brisket? Ribs. 
If you could be a professional athlete, what sport would you play? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> would be football. I, I still have a knee operations going on. <laughs> uh, you know, I would probably find something like ping pong. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> that sounds like a safe, safe sport. All right, folks, join us next week on Hunting Matters on KPRC 950. We'll talk to you later. The interest is up and the stock market's down and you're only getting mugged if you go downtown. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.